This week's episode of Discography Discussion was recorded in front of a live YouTube audience on April 14th, 2017. Our guest this evening, Brandon Kellum of American Standards. game and i'm talking to one of the older guys and he was asking me you know he's like i heard you're in a band what are you guys like and uh i'm like oh we're just you know heavy metal you know punk influenced and everything right. he's like yeah but like who and he throws out uh the first band he throws out is in flames i'm like okay okay we're a little bit like that and I'm like we're a little more like chaotic and everything he's like oh like dillinger escape plan i'm like exactly Dude, like that. He's getting better really getting warmer yeah <laughs> keep coming he's telling me about like when he just caught the the last dillinger show here in arizona and i'm like wow man i would not have expected that at all right yeah that's pretty cool actually um yeah i don't really see that much uh anymore uh with like most of the people i talk to they're just like yeah um so it's like slipknot right i'm like well yeah, kind of, you know. <laughs> it, it's crazy how Slipknot has really become like the uh, the biggest underground, but now obviously not underground at all, but like extreme metal band for like people of all, uh, you know, all right. types of music kind of look at them as the, the pinnacle of heavy music. Right. I mean, in a lot of ways they are, I guess. I mean, it's... Oh, yeah. It's weird because like when I was younger and, and in bands and stuff, I, I really spent a lot of my time trying to be like the genre definer the elitist so to speak you know i would hear i'd hear you know somebody would say like oh you like uh stuff like slipknot right i'd be like no it's not like slipknot because slipknot is a commercialized version of new metal and you know it's just like (laughs) yeah ridiculous and then you know i'm like okay well here's our band and uh you know we sound kind of like under oath and they're like under who because it was like a little like a little before that you know (laughs) yeah yeah. and uh yeah that was well that's exactly it yeah i think with slipknot it's like they were they were really cool to like for like a good five years, like the first five years of the two thousands. Right, and then just like you said, like a lot of elitists and a lot of people just hated them for a good ten years, and now they've come back to the point where they're like, you know, they're the biggest band out there, and like in that style, right, playing out sold out stadiums and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird though because I don't feel like your traditional hardcore show would really work in that setting. <laughs> I like it. Oh yeah, not at all. No, I think uh, I think they're a band that definitely writes for the venues they play at, and um, I think it takes a a marketing team and a, a team of people to make a band understand what that means. You know, right? For sure. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, we're gonna get our uh, we're gonna get our plugs and stuff out of the way now. Um, we're uh, um, obviously you're listening to discography discussion. It's a podcast that we do a lot, and. Uh, uh, this is a little different for us. This is actually, I don't know if you knew this, Brandon, but you're actually our first uh, our first band guest because uh, we're still a relatively new podcast. And uh, so it's it's been kind of, uh, kind of fun just to see where it's gone. And uh, so this week we're actually going to get together and we're going to talk about uh, just stuff that we like. It's not going to be like a regular band interview where we're like, what are your influences? Uh, do you guys have any crazy tour stories? When's the new album coming out? Even though I haven't heard the new album, I'm sure it's great. You know, like all that stuff. And, you know, uh, but uh, we are uh, we are available to stream on Google Play. We're available to stream on pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. We're there. Um, we're on iTunes. Um, what was that other one, Joe? Tune in radio. We're on Tune in radio as well as Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo product, you can say to it, Alexa, play the latest 
episode of Discography Discussion, and she will play that shit. Dude, people are going to get pissed because every time you say that, if you're listening to it out loud, it's probably going to do that. <laughs> you know, maybe I should change it. Yeah, I don't know. I would say computer, but now that's a keyword. You know, discography is kind of a hard word to pronounce, too. So, I mean, that's going to be a little rough for them, right? Right. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it works pretty, it works swimmingly well with us, but we're used to saying it clearly, you know? And for those that can hear what Skype sounds like, this is Brandon from American Standards. What's going on, man? Hey, not much, man. I, I apologize in advance. I'm your first guest, so I'm probably also going to be your first letdown. Oh, um, no. Hopefully it doesn't happen often after me. The buck stops here. Right. <laughs> oh, come on now. Well, next uh, next show, I think we're going to actually have another podcaster on, <laughs> which will be kind of fun. He'll be like, dude, your guys' setup is dick. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, kind of the, the, the focus of this show is we're going to do plugs at the end. We are going to talk about American Standards a bit, and uh, we're going we're gonna to probably shoehorn all that towards the end, um, which is all good stuff that you guys definitely need to know if you haven't heard it uh, on the various podcasts that, that they've been on already. Uh, so um, this week we're kind of just talking about bands that we liked. Um, so, I mean, kind of it's kind of the influences question <laughs> a little bit. Um, I know Joe took a shit ton of notes. Uh, most of my notes are on <laughs> the albums of yours that are released at this point. Uh, but, oh wow, that's that's yeah. intense. I know. I, I had to sit down and listen to it. I mean, when <laughs> when the first person that you see on Twitter that says, "Hey, we should do something," I'm like, uh, "Okay, now I have to immediately go and listen to everything you've done twice." Right. Once again, I apologize for that. <laughs> oh, dude, dude, come on. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know what I do? I, I this is kind of my plan. I kind of put myself down before other people's can. It works, right? Well, you know we're 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 gentlemen, so like if we ever decided to do exact reviews of every single release, we would definitely do it while you weren't there to input for it. <laughs> well, like, I do appreciate that. Yeah, man, we listen to it, and my God, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I am waiting for the first like horrible. Either first off, I, I would like a really horrible review of the new album. Right. Like, I don't know if I want that just to be self-deprecating, or I want a good review, but to go to that page and see that they've also blasted other bands. Right. Instead, what I typically get is like this review that compares us to all the greatest bands that we've ever loved growing up. Yeah. And then the I look at every other planet. review they've done, and they kind of compare them to similar bands. Yeah, that's that's a little annoying. I hate the band comparison anyway, because like, you know, oh, you guys play chaotic, chaotic, you know, hardcore or metalcore or whatever you want to call it. And it's like, oh, well, so that's like the chariot, right? And it's like, yeah, I mean, kind of, but other than the fact that we're different human beings and, you know, with different <laughs> lyrics and different songs and different album titles and, yeah, it's like, yeah. I mean, I yeah, mean, we've got Josh Scoggin yelling for it, but whatever. Right, yeah, I mean, he's all over it. He shows yeah. up at our live shows, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I guess if you're Norma Jean, that happens like on the weekly, right? Right, right. He's like, that's got to that's be really shitty, though, for them. Like, if you, <laughs> like, all the fans are out there to see him. And it's one of those things where, okay, and I'm going to preface this by saying I love pretty much everything the Gene has done, you know? Um, even, even the newer stuff that's not as chaotic, that's more rocky, all that stuff. But um, they, get, they, they get in front of a group of people and they start playing, and everybody's like, man, so when are you guys going to play the Bless the Martyr stuff? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, uh, and that's what they end it with too, you know. They end it, they end it with uh Memphis will be laid to waste pretty much. We I mean we've done four or five shows with them in the last couple of years. We actually did just their ten years ago not too long ago. And uh they ended it every night with that song. Oh wow, that's awesome. 
Oh man, but yeah. So Norma Jean, they were uh, they were huge solid state. So when I'm definitely more of a solid state than tooth and nail guy. So if you want to jump over to tooth and nail at some point, you just do it, and I'll just deal. Are we gonna have like a Red Rover session where you two square off and are like, you know, solid state, tooth and nail? I don't know about all that. I mean, have you, have, did you listen to American Standards? I, mean, I think we're both on the, uh, the solid state side. Absolutely. Most of the stuff I like from Tooth and Nail was stuff that was so really counterpoint. So if you want to take the counterpoint, right? <laughs> He's real good at that. I am good at being the dick in the conversation, but I think in this case, I think it's going to work swimmingly well. But uh, I'll just kind of start there off giving go. a little bit of a, a history of like Tooth and Nail solid state for me was. Uh, my first release that was it was actually on tooth and nail believe it or not was uh bow by focused which is like really going back <laughs> and the two, it's so old that the tooth and nail logo doesn't even look right on the album like it, it, they don't they didn't have their official logo yet so like it just said like in just big plain letters on the back of the cd tooth and nail and then they just put this huge rectangular box around it <laughs> But, oh no! Is that around the right around the start of it, like nineteen ninety four or five, somewhere around there? Somewhere like there, yeah. I think I actually think that one might have been ninety three. Um, and if you've listened to this podcast, oh, oh. Y- you'll know that I never actually check the dates or prep myself up for these at all. So <laughs> I could be to- I could be dead wrong about that, but yeah, it, it was around that era. And uh, that, that you was- shocked me. You you <laughs> you say this stuff with so much confidence, man. As as, as I'm binging like some of the podcasts uh, today and yesterday, yeah, I'm like, wow, you guys know everything. But I think you just say it really confidently, so no one questions it, right? Right. Well, yeah, I'm a technician where I work, and uh, so you have to say everything like you've been working there for 30 years, you know. So I kind of you've been doing that your whole life as long as I've known you. Shut up, Joe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that was that was me. It was it definitely was was like focused and strong arm and focal point and stuff um and that that was whenever i really wasn't on the chaotic metalcore train yet so i didn't even like i wasn't i don't even think i was fully prepared for what was to come yeah no i'm on my side i think i, I probably didn't get into a little bit later than you i mean it's uh, i know you guys had your own episode on, on uh on zeo but uh i think it probably wasn't until around splinter shards around like was it 96 97 that i really started getting into it yeah, and I, I kind of—I mean, I worked my way back, and I, I listened to some stuff from Tooth and Nail, like like Frodus and uh, MXPX. Oh, Frodus! Um, yeah, exactly. I love those uh, those guys. Not a lot of people really really talk about how how influential they were in that kind of scene. Oh yeah, they were um, huge, and it was weird that they were signed to Tooth and Nail, right? Because they were like the Christian label <laughs> at that time, and Frodus definitely was not that. Um, MXPX, I, I guess I got that a little bit off of, but yeah, like it was. It's kind of funny how that's known as the Christian label, yet was like one of the most in, had some of the most influential bands in the genre on that label. Yeah, I mean, with Tooth and Nail, they actually they had uh, uh, several gold albums. Um, I mean, uh, like I, I think one of them obviously was Under Oath. Defined a great line was a yeah one was huge for them, selling over like a half million copies. But then MXPX was another one that that went gold too. So I don't I don't know that Solid State's ever had uh, anything like that, and it definitely won't in the music environment today now. No, probably not. Um, solid state, sadly, isn't what it was, um, and that is personal opinion. I think. I think whenever they, like, uh, let's say if I started a band tomorrow and you know put out a couple of EPs and was signed to Solid State, you know, um, I think it, it's one of those things where I feel like you do moderately well, you know, but I, I don't see it on the same. You know, you can't expect to go in and 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 have the same success as like Under, under Oath or you know. Even I think Demon Hunter is like probably the highest selling band on that label right now, and it's yeah you know not really pushing the genre. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, but I will say between the two, because I was just curious, I, and, and maybe I'm a little, little more old school, and I don't keep up on new bands, but when I was looking at the current roster for Solid State compared to the current roster for Tooth & Nail, um, I mean, there's not a hell of a lot of stuff on Tooth & Nail that I even know about, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I was really into Tooth & Nail probably around the time, I don't know, like 2002 to 2004, so I mean, at that time they had like all the good bands. They had like Emery. They had um, Me they, Without You. Me Without You. Yeah, and like those bands like that. City's Burn. Was oh good yeah, one. dude. No joke. I was at a Goodwill today and I bought a brand new copy of Now Come Sleep by City's Burn, still sealed and everything for like a buck. I was like, hell yeah. Nice. Did you happen to catch the uh, tenure, the the tenure tour they just had? Or not tenure, I'm sorry, the uh, reunion tour. I'm actually really pathetic when it comes to attending shows. Like Norma Jean was in town on Tuesday and I didn't go because you know bullshit reasons <laughs> you guys are from uh wh- where is it uh somewhere in uh st louis midwest south okay okay cool yeah okay good deal we're actually going to be coming through st louis here on uh the 24th we're playing in um was it kansas city i believe okay or not st louis I'm sorry, um, Missouri. yeah we'll definitely need to meet up or you know eat a taco or something let me write that down <laughs> there you go that'd be a lot of fun <laughs> is uh the blank space still out there in st louis in downtown um music venue? i believe it is still there yes um, have not been. Yeah, in a we while. played there a few years ago. I remember, like, the place was really cool, but the show was the weirdest show. We played with like a like a nine inch nail style band, that and then, like right. a Rob yeah. Zombie style band. Mm-hmm. It was just really weird. It was, it was in some basement of the music venue. Right. Yeah. So here's here's the weird thing about St. Louis is that it is not a good. It is not a very like hardcore friendly town. Because <laughs> we, you know, we, we about ten years ago we 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 tried to make it in St. Louis and um, it did not go well. Like we. We played with bands that were just like it's like a time capsule. We played with a band, uh, and again, this is years and years and years ago called Shatter Mask, and they were probably like the biggest local St. Louis band that existed. And I, I would say, like at best, maybe they sounded kind of like Mudvayne, you know, <laughs> like nice um, LD Fifty genre Mudvayne or uh, era Mudvayne. No, 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 not the good stuff. <laughs> you know, like uh, it, it was, it was like a rap core kind of thing. Um, it was very nineties. Yeah, so like we walk in, right? Okay. We're, we walk in and we're wearing like our tight pants and under oath shirts or whatever. <laughs> and uh, actually, yeah. I think I, I think I was wearing an Opeth shirt, you know, just to you know see there's more to me than just this or something. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we we played uh, we played at this underground venue called the Red Sea, and I walk in and all and we're playing to Shatter Mask fans. Okay, like nobody's heard of our band. We you know we're, we're nothing to these people. Just blank slate, and. Uh, we get up there and we, you know, starts, you know, I start screaming and you know, everything kind of goes a little nuts or whatever. Nobody's doing anything. We're like thrashing out on the stage like chariot style, and these people are just standing there wearing their like hot topic pants from you know, and all these people are like thirty six, thirty seven at this point, and they're like wearing their hot topic pants with like big chains <laughs> coming down, and they got like they got like neon blue highlights in their hairs in their hair and stuff. So it's just like. What the hell is happening? I feel like we just walked into like 1998. It's surprising how often that still happens where I'm like, they still make people like this? Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, nothing against them, but it surprises me that I'm like, I, I mean, I personally got out of this, you know, 15 years ago. And I, I guess that's just selfish me thinking that when I stop liking something, everybody else stops liking it. Right, um, yeah. But that is not the case. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous. Um but, uh, yeah, around that time, so, like, it, that, that kind of gives a little point, too. I mean, I think a lot of it depends on where you grow up, you know, and 
I, growing up listening to like Tooth and Nail and Solid State bands, I mean, it, it was it was a very very very, very slim pickings uh, on like who was going to check that stuff out with you, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it wasn't so bad with the hardcore stuff, like like Strong Armed and Focused and stuff. I, I feel like like Slipknot fans and Corn fans and stuff like they'd listen to it and they'd be like, oh, you know, that's that's pretty good, you know, <laughs> like it's not it as heavy. Yeah, but then like I bought a record uh, called uh, Embrace the Internal by B- Embodiment. Oh, okay. I don't okay. know if you've heard that one, but oh my god. It's, it's some heavy stuff. It is some heavy <laughs> shit. Yeah, like I mean just ridiculous, you know, like and uh, you know, sounds like exactly half of their discography too cuz they changed like every album. Yeah, yeah, they ended up being like indie rock, I think <laughs> towards the end, you know, cuz we've all been there. But yeah, so like that Embrace the Eternal was crazy. Um I had Living Sacrifice Reborn at that point which was also super heavy, but all that stuff was still, you know, predominantly, you know, metal. I, I don't think I really started getting into more chaos type stuff until I got blood and fire, which was several yeah, years yeah. after it came out. But blood and fire was around like 98 and 98 in general. I feel like, and maybe this is just me was just a good year for music. That's right. Oh, yeah. When I was in like junior high. So it's like that transformative time where like you stop listening to what your, uh, your parents uh, and your your brother, your older brother, like kind of show you, and you mm-hmm. start finding your own music. Right. So you, yeah, you've got Zayo, like where Blood and Fire Bring Rest. Uh, that's the same year that Refused, The Shape of Punk, to Come came oh out. Oh my god, just, yeah, that's a great I, record. <laughs> yeah, and both in the same year, like two insanely phenomenal albums for for their respective genres, um, and both at the time that I'm finding my own music, you know. So it is, it was just a good year for music. Yeah, for sure. Ninety eight was was great. Blood and fire. It's so funny too because on uh, on the Zayo DVD, Jesse Smith says like, "I don't care what scene kid is watching this, you know, watching this DVD, you know, you, you he's like you can't tell me." And I'm paraphrasing heavily here. He's like, "You can't tell me that, you know, you'd heard anything like Blood and Fire <laughs> before it came out." <laughs> It's a little cocky, but I like it. I mean, I yeah. appreciate that. He, you know, it's weird too because the first time I watched that Zayo DVD, um, I thought, man, Jesse Smith is such a dick. Like, I, you know, he's such a jerk. I hate his guts. Blah 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 blah. And this is again, this is like 10, 10 12 years ago, something like that, <laughs> when that DVD came out. But it's funny because you listen to the content of what he says, and most of it is like dead on. Like you can tell he's been in the industry for a long time. He's super jaded. He doesn't come across as nice or anything, but. Um, everything that he says is just matter is, of fact. Yeah, it's very, it's very dead on. You know, it causes average people to be like, "Oh, well, he should be nicer." And, you know, but like, I watch it now and I just get a huge chuckle out of it. You know, because I'm like, "Yeah, he's he's, he's right." <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No, I agree. So going back to the, I guess the 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 two labels themselves. You said you're very strongly in the solid state camp. Uh, is that the same for you, Joe, or do you have a preference between the two? I was never as strong into it as Dan was. I like to think that I'm the person that got Dan into metal because before that it was grunge and punk. And when I was okay. hanging out playing guitar, what? practicing Metallica <laughs> songs and things like that, Dan just out of nowhere discovers this band called Zayo. <laughs> Prior to that, Tooth and Nail for us was essentially like all Project 86. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Heaviest thing we'd ever heard, even though it wasn't the heaviest thing. But then out of nowhere, he pops up with Zayo, and then Dan was in a different world for like five years (laughs) until Zayo finally like sunk into my brain and I got it. And I think I talked about it on the podcast. Like I saw that DVD and it humanized them. And then, uh, like, I'm the guy that's trying to catch up with all these really good heavy bands that Dan has known about for years. (laughs) 
and okay, okay, a lot of a lot of uh, me, a lot of me without you, a lot of stuff like like American Standards, old Norma Jean, Chariot. I think actually when I first listened to your album Still Life, my notes were Sneaky Little Zayo Much and Norma Jean and the Chariot at the same time, and it was nice. I'll take it. Uh, I think my my most random comment was I was at work and the four words that came out of my mouth were paradigm alt shift delete me without you. I have no idea what I meant when I said it, but that's that's kind of where I'm <laughs> catching up. D- Dan's always been ahead in the tooth and nail solid state extreme department. <laughs> well, you you've pegged us uh, absolutely to a T with that. I think um, for me, I think much like you guys, I was kind of really into bands like like pantera because because my older brother i have a brother that's nine years older than me so so he got me into these really heavy bands like pantera but also listened to stuff like like beastie boys and stuff like that sure um, right. but when i first came across zeo i was like holy shit this is something <laughs> completely different and uh and that's why I, like at that time i had no um no insight into labels or really even cared about record labels you know and when I got into Zayo, I'm like, I have to find more like this. So that's when I started digging into the the other bands that kind of sounded like that. And I started finding out that, wow, there's a lot of great stuff from Solid State. Uh, Tooth and Nail, which I didn't even know actually until today, to be really honest, actually was before Solid State. I always kind of, I think because I thought Solid State was better, I thought Solid State like owned Tooth and Nail as a subsidiary. Right, it's the exact opposite, yeah. How many <laughs> yeah, times exactly. have I heard you correct people on that, Dan? Like, hey, uh, tooth and nails like this. Like, no, it's not. Come on, man. I'm not that it's... big of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I did my research before this then because you would have corrected me. I'd have been like, oh um, my God, man. <laughs> you know, why don't you just go back to the drawing board? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's almost like if you think like like Dr. Pibb owns Dr. Pepper because you like Dr. Pibb more. That's not the case. Yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, no, I don't know about that. I agree though. Yeah, like so, to me, to me, Solid State's the big label, and then like Tooth and Nail's like what I check out if I'm like bored on <laughs> listening to Solid yeah. State stuff. Although if you look at the album sales, you know it would say completely different, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look at look at bands like Amberlin that came out of Tooth and Nail. You know, <laughs> they're huge. Yeah, exactly. You know, like and Under Oath, and um, the the band that that I'm a little the weirdest about as far as like Tooth and Nail Solid State is uh, he is Legend in that like I fucking love their stuff. And I can't, I, agree with you. I can't figure out why they're not bigger. <laughs> like, yeah, and their new album that just came out too. I, I feel like it started to walk the line of like some of these could probably be like radio, you know, like hard rock radio hits. Right. And then some of this stuff also has like a more mature vibe that's maybe a little too chill or mellow for the radio. Sure. And then they still have a little bit of edge to it. So it's like the best of all those worlds. But in all honesty, this is my opinion of that, and also uh, of a lot of bands is like if you're not doing something shocking that's really grabbing the uh the teenage demographic so like grabbing the new people just like zeo grabbed us right um you're not going to grow as a band you're only going to grow appreciation from the people that have a nostalgia for you so just like norma jean where people wait for memphis has been laid to waste uh with he is legend people wait for i am hollywood to play you know Right, that's true. It's weird. My favorite He Is Legend is probably It Hates You, which was like their most rock, you know, sounded yeah. album. Honestly, I also think the lyrics creep people out because, like, me and my wife were driving. Um, we were driving down uh, to like an Easter egg hunt or something recently, like within the past few days, and I was listening to. Uh, I think I was listening to "Suck Out the Poison," <laughs> and that first yeah. song comes on. And and my wife's like, wow, this, well, his lyrics are just like really rapey sounding. 
<laughs> wow. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I never really picked up on that because, you know, I'm not tip, I'm not typically afraid of being raped. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> anything, privilege, anything's, po- privilege yeah, man. anything's possible. But yeah, so, but yeah, no, it comes off rapey. And then, like, so I, I listened to a lot of He Is Legend. Um, you know, after that, I've listened to a lot of He Is Legend lately. And I was like, wow, yeah. So he's got that one song where he's like, you can kick and scream if you feel better, but you'll never get away. And then uh, on Attack of the Dungeon Witch, he's like, he's like, if you got the magic, then I got the moves. We'll see who wakes up next to who. And it's just like, it's very, yeah, it's, she's right. It, it is kind of rapey. <laughs> you know, I hope on their new uh, press release for this new album that comes out uh, or that just came out, they have the quote, you know, discography discussion says, it sounds kind of rapey. Sounds a little rapey. It's their rapiest album yet. <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to start writing ab- album reviews dash, again? Right. <laughs> a dash with your name by it, man. A dash with your name by it. Right. <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. Oh. Yeah, so, I mean, I do, like, I think Solid State and Tooth and Nail were the two labels that actually made me start taking note of, like, what label bands were on. And then outside of those, I mean, the only labels that have even to this day done that for me, although... I think. Two. You just cut out. Go ahead and say that again. Just yeah, just exact same. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just saying. So outside of uh, Solid State and Tooth and Nail, um, those were the only labels that really got me into looking at what bands were on the label and taking notice of that. And and then outside of that, I just saw you know like Trust Kill and Ferret Records were the only two other big ones that I really got into. You know big chunk of the bands on the label oh yeah yeah ferret was was notorious for that notorious with me and uh even even victory um i don't you know there were there were a lot of bands on victory that i liked um that were more of like the punk in the punk hardcore style trust kill trust kill is just great because it had the poison dis- well poison the well oh my god hopes fall I mean, oh, you're talking about fall. Fall. sorry i'm i get a little destiny hopes fall days you know yeah right exactly <laughs> we're doing hopes fall next week if you want to come back yeah yeah absolutely we are doing that um dude fucking hopes fall sorry i can't we'll save it but yeah, like um you know another band that had rapey lyrics that was on trust kill is fight paris did you ever Fight listen to Par- them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's weird because I never thought to look at bands in that regard until like just the other day. <laughs> I was like, what <laughs> bands sound rapier than other bands? Like Glassjaw? Glassjaw sounds very rapey. I thought Glassjaw yeah. was the only one that sounded rapey. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Well, I just mean, on Fight Paris essentially had the, like, the 80s rock myth- uh, mythos uh, into a hardcore band, right? Right, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the only other band I could think of that did that too was, um, oh, God, what were they called? It'll come to me like as soon as we're done doing this podcast. But there's another band that had kind of like that '80s rock, rock and roll <laughs> mentality. Um, God, I really wish I could remember that name. It had the word more recently. There's this band called Wilson, and they've kind of got that same vibe. Okay, yeah, I haven't heard them yet. I... They're they're a little like they started like mailing the Sons of Disaster, and then they okay uh, they went just kind of like butt rock. Right, butt rock. I mean, rock. good butt rock if they're listening, but it's still butt rock. So let's talk about butt rock for a second. Um, <laughs> I already got Under Oath pulled up. No, that's not what I mean. Um, so, like, about 10 years ago, I started referring to bands that I didn't like as butt rock. Like, and not even, but then over time it developed into, I'm not just talking about bands I don't like, but, like, bands that play a particular style. Like, even he as legend could be accused of being butt rock at times. And, I would uh, say that. And, uh... But it just it became like that Creed, Nickelback, Pearl Jam kind of sound. 
Um, e- there are times where I'll even call bands like ACDC and accept butt rock, you know. But it's really yeah. weird because over over the years I've started hearing other people use the term, and I've been trying to determine: did I just start saying that, or did I hear it subliminally and start saying it as if it was brand new, you know? <laughs> I feel like you've probably imparted it onto the world, and we all just took your lead. Maybe, you can maybe take that nugget, Dan. I didn't have a voice, you know, <laughs> back then. Uh, you know, like a like. There was no getting on the internet and doing a podcast <laughs> back then. All those End of Destiny shows. Uh, exactly. You were the, the hardcore guys talking between the set. All right, I want to preach to you about butt rock. Right. Let's talk about butt rock for five seconds. I know it sucks when a band gets up and preaches for 45 minutes, but this is hardcore, baby. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So speaking of that, actually, um, what impact – so the, the – Going back to the whole Christian label thing now, so I I was raised in a, in a very religious conservative place. Uh, we were Pentecostal. We didn't have TV. We didn't have any of that shit. And <laughs> like, um, so that was the weird thing about Tooth and Nail Solid State was that um, with them being the Christian label, it was one of those weird exceptions where like no one cared. <laughs> like, yeah. There wasn't the backlash that like the '80s Christian metal bands had, like Striper and all that, where people are like, "Oh, well, this is this is Christian metal," you know. Like you go listen to Blood and Fire; it's one of the greatest fucking metalcore records you've ever heard. But the lyrics are very religious, you know. <laughs> like it's yeah, uh, and you know, even Splinter Shards, you know, which is to me like a perfect example of old school hardcore, very religious lyrics. And it's in my mind, it's almost like the preaching is almost a part of it, even with the bands that weren't Christian, like, you know, like bands like Earth Crisis and stuff, we're talking about veganism and, um, you know, everybody's still straight edge is all hell, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I've got to imagine, I mean, in part that's likely because like 80% of people probably don't even care to look and read the lyrics, you know? Sure. Um, and you've got a band like Zayo, and if you're not really listening through um, over and over again, you might not be picking up on those undertones. Right. Um, but coming from a maybe a completely different background than you, um, I did uh, when I was younger. I had actually went to church with you know some friends and neighbors and things like that. My right. family was not religious by any means. Um, I even got to the point where we used to do this like Bible quizzing and stuff. But oh, yeah. as I went into like a teenager, um, I kind of decided to fall out of that. I, I think my my kind of uh, philosophy on all is I always want to know about something before I decide if I. I like it, don't like it, believe in it or otherwise. Well, that's smart. Um, I mean, yeah. You know. So I'm not, yeah, not a religious guy by any means, but I love so many uh, tooth and nail bands and, and solid state bands. And I think um, it, to me, it, it never sounded super preachy. It never sounded like they were trying to uh, convert you or like come into their way of thinking. It just, um, that, that completely went over my head. And I just said, this is, insane music you know um so i never felt like they're pushing that on me granted i don't know if between songs they're talking about that uh and i know some of the bands actually do but um at least i never had that vibe so i guess one question i would ask you is do you think that some of these bands um uh, on these labels that their their goal of it is to say convert people or bring people into their way of thinking and do you think if that's the case that it is effective for anybody you know uh, not really, because I have been the lead singer of a Christian hardcore band before, uh, so I have a a very uh, interesting perspective on that. I think I, I think when it starts, I think it comes from a very sincere place, um, and I'm talking the more preachy, the more the more let's go convert people mindset, um, which yep. we we had that a little bit, and um, but it wasn't like it, it came from a very sincere place at first, like. 
we're trying to do something really good for people and something that we think personally is going to improve their lives or whatever. But the problem with that is that that's that's all good. I don't think anybody has any issue with that statement. But you, whenever you say we're a Christian band and like you get up there and like because if you're a Christian hardcore band, the first place you're playing is church, ninety yep. percent of the time. You're playing with a bunch of local bands, you know. You're playing at a church, so you get up on stage and you're like, "Hey, we're a, uh, you know, we're into destiny and we're doing this for the Lord," and all, you know, and <laughs> you get all you get all excited about it. And you get all these amens, you get all these hand claps or whatever, and then you go play your second show at a local venue with a bunch of local punk bands, and you start saying all that stuff on stage, and people are like, "Let's just like crickets," you know, nobody, nobody's gonna beat your ass over it, but <laughs> they're not, uh, you know, they're they're not convinced, and so you start thinking, "Well, we're being persecuted. We're being persecuted." I, I seriously hear white people say the word "persecuted" more than anybody else that I've ever heard, and uh, it comes from that whole like, "Well, they didn't like our band, so we're being persecuted." So, I think certain bands establish an attitude at that point and kind of move forward in the whole "we're going to be super evangelical," and that's where that's where you get bands like Sleeping Giant and For Today, and um, that are just very over the top evangelical really bands. Yeah, and um, they've got good music, so I still listen to them. But, you know, for me personally, when I was doing it, I kind of reached this idea of, okay, well, we're telling everybody that we're Christians, and automatically that sets us up to actually, you know, you, when you take that title, you kind of have to take everything that goes with it, right? So yep. suddenly it's a big deal that I say fuck all the time. So, I think we, uh, yeah. I think we've had a big breakthrough with you, uh, Dan. Mm-hmm. Today, this is this is in progress. We're making progress here. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm in a therapy <laughs> session, but again, it becomes a big deal. It becomes a big deal that we that we say curse words. Or it becomes a big deal that we drink. You know, and yeah. like, and it was all stuff that was like kind of not that big a deal before, but for some reason, when you get up on a stage, everybody's kind of looking at you like, like you're you like a perfect. pastor. Yeah, like you're a pastor of a church or something. You definitely end up in this situation where you are. It's either it's polar. There is no middle ground. You're either preaching to the choir at that point or nobody cares. Yeah, it becomes politics, right? It's religion, politics, right. all yep. those. Um, I, I mean, the same bands that are now kind of doing that, uh, you know, rally against Trump or, or rally against, uh, you know, the other side. I think uh, I, I think they, they have that same polar, that same visceral reaction. And I almost wonder, especially for the, the like the Christian metalcore scene, if it did convert anybody I feel like it may have converted as many people as it possibly turned off, um, if not more, because you've got people that maybe were on the fence and then they listen to these bands and they see that they're a positive influence and they hear the things they're saying. And if they do decide to go that route, you might also have people that are firmly in the uh, church. They listen to a band like Zayo and then they say, wow, this is awesome. And then they start going into bands like Carcass, which are very secular. Right. And, <laughs> and then they start saying, wow, there's some really cool stuff out there. And there's also drugs and sex and alcohol and all this other great stuff. You know? Sure, yeah, I could so, quote unquote lead them down the wrong road, but like, yeah. you know, I think I think all that is silly. I think um, from a personal perspective, and we really we really don't like to talk about religion on this show too much, but it, it's worth mentioning because we do cover Christian bands and and stuff like that at times. And I think it's just one of those things where, in my personal opinion, is I just don't feel like music is a valid tool for like real ministry, like. The idea of like the snake oil salesman that pulls into your town and converts half the town to the, his way of thinking, and then he just leaves. Yep. And then over time, the town just kind of turns returns to normal, like the way that it was before. 
you know, you, know, you might have a few fringe fanatics that, that still stick with it, but for the most part, you know, um, as far as like a Christianity perspective goes, it's like, if you really want to minister to people and you really want to make, you really want to make a positive change in people's lives, then, you know, you go out, you clothe the homeless, you feed people that don't have help, you, you, you give people money that don't have money, you, you, you establish friendships with people that feel like they have no one to talk to. And uh, to me, that's, um, first of all, that's basic human being stuff anyway, like regardless of religion, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, and, I agree. I think the basic human being stuff is what you can impart on people and aspire for them to follow that and not necessarily follow the title that you've placed above it. Right. I mean, if so, if you, if you hang out with somebody for a long time and they're like, you know what, I'm going to give this Jesus thing a shot, then, you know, great. You did your job or whatever. But like <laughs> beyond that, um, I think, I think you get to, you get to take home with you the idea that, yeah, I made a positive change in this person's life instead of it being like, okay, I'm in a Christian hardcore band and we travel all around the United States and we play a show and we, we do an altar call at all of our shows. And now, you know, we converted all these people or whatever, but then we leave and in these, these fans, they have no real personal connection with the band members, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's really just kind of a farce in that regard. And that's, that's really all I'm going to say about it with, without like pissing off anybody that you know <laughs> every listener that right now is tuning out oh my god uh, but no, i agree i mean i almost i would say like and maybe this is a weird connection but i almost say in the sense of like country music fans have this kind of really uh devoted or country music bands i guess have this really devoted fan base and people that like kind of live that whole lifestyle when they go to these festivals and shows it's this whole thing that like they've already got this built-in crowd you know and with and with the bands that we're doing this back uh back with these christian metalcore bands i feel like they were when they were playing shows that were like you said at churches or at like cornerstone for example right they had a built-in fan base um that was supporting them and the, a lot of the churches were also you know using um money to to fund these tours i mean i know of yeah. several bands personally that was were touring off the the church money sure um and i think uh just like you said maybe once they stepped out of that realm it became a little more polar because yeah you do an altar call at a a predominantly secular metal show and you're gonna have a lot of people that hate it just because of that even if you're a great band right so i think um it really limited a lot of the bands but the bands that did it well are the bands that did exactly what you said they uh they showed uh, they give an example uh, of um of how you can use it music for a positive uh i right. guess result but they didn't necessarily preach it to people you know right yeah and that's to me, that's that's the that's the best formula to have, <laughs> if you want to call it a formula. But uh, yeah, and it, the weird thing about Tooth and Nail Solid State though is that like it really like I never really like you said I never really got that vibe off of like most of the bands. You know, it was always yeah. a uh, Face Down Records, a totally different story. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Face Down was like if you were too Christian for Solid State, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah. Know. Um, it's like, well, okay, hold on, hold on. We actually want to sell this at Best Buy, you know, <laughs> like, um, you know, the one band that did do it and not to, to linger on the religion thing too, long, sure. but the one band that, that has kind of taken their own spin on this, uh, lately, um, is, is the guys in Emory. So Matt and, uh, and Toby and them, they, uh, they started a label, which actually I, I worked for, for about a year and a half or so called BC music. Bad yeah, Christian. Bad Christian. Yeah. yeah. So I did a lot of their, their press release and their, um, shopping to uh like radio and xm and stuff like that mm -hmm. and, and they're awesome guys but n now they've got this podcast where they they kind of show like hey you can be christian and you can drink and you can curse and you can have these thoughts um and that's okay you know and and, and a lot of people 
cling to it because of they've given this example of that. Sure. Um, and then there's also obviously more traditional people that uh, that absolutely hate them because of it. But I think it's interesting to uh, to take that approach, you know. Yeah, I mean, my wife's not a fan of the Bad Christian podcast, but I've listened to everyone, usually with her in the car. Uh, <laughs> and uh, did you hear the mailing one they did uh, last week? I haven't been as caught up since we started doing this podcast because it's kind of taken over my life a little bit. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I was in tears, man. I was in I, uh, I almost in tears. I was almost in tears is what I meant. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about Pokemon Go and I was still almost in tears, you know, <laughs> playing sure. it with his son, you know, for the first time that he was able to to see any kind of vision again, you know? Yeah, that's. Oh, yeah. I, like, I got nothing but mad respect for Dallas. You know, <laughs> like it's one of those like. Uh, I, I, it was so horrible when I heard about that accident that he was in because, you know, he was one of my favorite vocalists, you know, even in the under oath days, you know, like, yeah, I would tell people it's funny too. Cause I would tell people that the Dallas under oath was better. His vocals were better or whatever, which is yeah. kind of funny because if you, if you, it's probably really mean, but if you pull up a video of the Dallas under oath playing, and then you pull up a video of the new under oath playing the same song, Spencer's heads and tails above in as far as in a, in a live setting, you know, uh, at oh, least yeah. at that he has time more control, right. He has more control. Right. I mean, Dallas really bloomed in Maylene, you know, <laughs> like he really found his stride and, you know, so when I heard about that accident, I was like, Oh man. And as a selfish music fan, you know, of course, and it, uh, from, from a human perspective, I'm like, Oh my God, that is so terrible. You know, your PayPal, take my money, you know? <laughs> and then, uh, after that, though, it was like, oh, man, so it's going to be a long time before we get any new Maylene. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, based on that interview, I, I don't know if it's even coming. Not not to give you a spoiler alert, but... Uh, not anytime yeah, soon, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. it seems... I mean, I really... I hope he does um, to pull through to a point where he can do that again. But, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he talks about a lot of problems, you know, with his with his throat and, and just talking in day-to-day, you know? And he's basically cooped up in his parents' room... Uh, he says, you know, he just stays there in the dark all day and you might not even see a person for an entire day. Oh my goodness, that's torture. Yeah, so it's... <laughs> well, I guess we get away from the downer stuff, right? So, right, sure, so yeah. Who so who on the labels did you not like? <laughs> what labels did uh, I not like? No, no, who on the uh, Tooth & L or Solid State labels did you not care for? Ooh, this is rough. Um, You're talking to a fanboy here, so yeah. he's going to have to dig deep. <laughs> Full th- fanboy. Um, okay, so Were this you is... a fan of P.O.D.? Was that a big one for you? Like way back in the day, like when my idea of heavy, Southtown, right? Yeah, Southtown, yeah. Like my idea of heavy was, you know, corn. You know, <laughs> like yeah. Um, sure, sure. I, Pod was okay. Um, I never was really like a huge like. I didn't wear the t-shirts or you know, or get the tribal tattoos or anything like that. But um, yeah, I thought Pod was okay, especially on those on those earlier records. People be talking about satellite and Dan's walking around going, "Come on, Brown." Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, Pod and uh, I really. I guess the, one of the weird. This is one of the, my most controversial opinions. I don't really like August Burns Red that much. You know what? I would I would not disagree with you. I I enjoy their their music um, to a certain extent, but uh, I've I've kind of I, I nerd out over these podcasts, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. And you you've got yourself a new weekly listener with me, really, just because right. that's what I drive all day. You know, I drive and I fly a lot. Appreciate so I that. Listen to podcasts. That's awesome. Um, but with August Burns Red, I've heard him on several interviews, and he's so off-putting in the way that he um, he talks about um, you know the the meanings behind the songs, and, and he, right. even how he approaches religion. That I, I'm just like, I normally this I can get past this, but um, for them, I just can't. It just sounds a little I don't know I don't know if insincere is the right word. 
But, exactly. It sounds like you sell, like you said, the snake oil salesman that's selling you a product right. and hoping you uh, bite. Well, and that's what we get with August Burns Red every single album. I mean, I so when the first album came out, Thrill Seeker, I thought that was pretty good. You know, it was cool. It was kind of had that Azalee dying ish sound to it, except it didn't make me want to kill my wife when I listened to it. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. Like, August Burns Red has always, like, so they put out Thrill Seeker, and that was okay. And then they put out Messengers, which I thought was also kind of okay. And then literally every single album they've put out since then, which is like, I don't know, like 150 albums, they're just like, it's just like the same shit, different name. And like, yeah. it just, it never grew on me. And it never, I never really thought they were doing anything interesting. And of course, I just stopped following the band after that. I was like, eh, I just don't really care. Yeah, um, yeah no, I hear you. I mean, I, if they're listening right now or the label's listening, um, we're, we're completely down for the tour still, so you can still hit us up. Yeah, I'm, I'm just yeah. trying to make friends with, uh, with with you, Dan, here, and, and, and Joe as well. So uh, There you go. You know. Yeah. I'll, I'll, show up <laughs> you know, and, I'll show up and sell merch for that tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the other one that, uh, that I, I never really got into a whole lot either was uh, O Sleeper on Solid State. O Sleeper? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I see that, like, not only from the... The music standpoint, although like I have heard stuff that I like that sounds very much more like like Under Oath, yeah. But also, um, they they did a reunion recently, which we we kind of got thrown on the reunion last second, mm. and uh, they did it as a I want to say a three piece. Um, so it was a guitarist, okay. uh, a singer, and a drummer, and the drummer was playing sideways, so you could kind of see everything. Okay. But they were we we get there for sound check, and they were so triggered up that you know they had first they had a patch of bass in, so there wasn't obviously any live bassist. Right. They had a um a track for keyboards. They had a track for uh, the second guitars, which was doing all the, the solo work or the more lead type stuff, I guess. Damn. And then even the drums being <laughs> sideways, like you can see when they're going into double bass, he was playing like halftime of the stuff and letting the track pick up the other beat. Wow. And it, it I mean, it sounded fantastic because it sounded just like the album, sure. but it looked really awkward having three guys up there, but obviously hearing like eight or nine parts. Right. Um, yeah, it's and don't weird. get me wrong. So many bands do that now, but it just, it felt really weird, and um, it was awkward because uh, I mean, people started leaving throughout, you know, the set. Some before they even played, but definitely a lot of as they were playing. And um, yeah, I just couldn't get into it, you know. Yeah, I uh, I liked their first two records. Um, I didn't really listen to the third one or the EP that they put out after that. I mean, I'm sure it's all great or whatever, but like it's it's one of those things where I. Uh, I, I was kind of getting out of the whole like sing scream under oath feet kind of sound. I mean, I liked under oath still, but I didn't feel like I had to listen to another band that played that sound. You know? Yeah, we're old. We can't listen to that same stuff forever, right? Right. Assuming exactly. I, are you guys what, in your thirties, maybe or, or late yeah? 20s? I just turned. I just turned thirty. Yeah, you have you have a pass now to not listen to uh, every band that sounds like two thousand five style. You know, right? Exactly. Sadly, you there's know, not band a lot that of does them. sound like that that's come out here recently. Have you listened to a uh, Silent pa- Planet? I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I do enjoy. I do enjoy their stuff quite a bit, actually. Um, now, yeah, they've, you know? they've got that vibe, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I like Silent Planet. Um, I don't have. Uh, I only have like their their latest record, and to be honest with you, I listen to so many records, I couldn't even tell you what it's called. Um, because like, since I've gone in the, I don't know if you listened to the episode where we talked about digital versus like physical formats, but. Um, I really am very disconnected with music that I listen to digitally. And I so like I never remember album names. Like I'll I'll literally just be like, Cue up latest release by, you know, 
<laughs> and just kind of well, go yeah, from there. Well, yeah, that's a byproduct of not going to Tower Records like Friday that, or Tuesday that music comes out. Right. And, you know, spending 20 bucks on an album. Now you can download it in two seconds or listen to it on Spotify. And when you're listening to it on Spotify, it's on shuffle half the time. And you don't even know what the song is or what album it's from to begin with. You well, know? yeah, like when you guys, uh, you know, and I'm not going to lie, we weren't, you know, we, we I, I had never listened to American Standards before this podcast. And, Dan, say it ain't so. So it ain't so, it's, it's so, but... Um, <laughs> what am I going to do with this guy? Well, the thing is, though... Oh, sh- okay, Joe. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, in, but but in that case, it was great because I was, you know, Joe's like, hey, we just got a tweet. And I was like, oh, okay, from who? You We're know? sitting in the movie theater getting ready to watch Power, Power Rangers. Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and I, so he shows me this, he shows me this tweet or whatever. I was like, okay, great. So, but, and, but... That's the beauty of digital music is I was able to become familiar within, you know, a day or two. On the ride you know? home. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that made it that made it kind of special, too, because it's it's fresh in my mind, which we don't really typically get, you know, we don't really get that too much. Hopefully you somewhat liked Power Rangers, so it's kind of like you've got this positive tie to it as well. I did like Power um, Rangers. <laughs> all right. I saw, I saw I was in uh, Charlotte last week. Uh-huh. Um and uh, I, I, you know, it was night. I was by myself. I, had, I was trying to kill some time. So I'm like, I'm going to go check out the new Power Rangers. So sure. I go to this new theater that's a uh, one of those fancy ones with the recliner chairs where you got to pay $15 for a ticket. Don't tell me you um, fell asleep. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. So it even, so I, I walk up there. I pay my $15 for, for one, you know, into his 30s man. Sure. <laughs> and then, and then I, I notice, hey, this place actually has a bar at the, the movie theater. So now I grab a, you know, oh, a little yeah. beer. I walk into a Power Rangers and I'm just sitting in like an empty theater by myself on a recliner drinking a beer watching Power Rangers. That's the dream was, though, right? <laughs> it was enjoyable. Yeah. It was enjoyable. I didn't get a tweet from a random band asking me to be on the podcast, but right. it was still enjoyable. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> we were just surprised too because I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, like up to that point we were kind of like does anybody even give a shit? You know, is <laughs> anybody even listening to the podcast? And I mean, we see the downloads, you know, we, we check, uh, we check, you know, I check all the time, like religiously and, uh, you know, the downloads are there, but we never get comments. We never get anything, you know, and it's, did uh, I pull you guys off the cliff? Did yeah, I, I hope so. Step off that ledge? I hope so. All right. Yeah, for Good. sure. Um, I mean, everybody's been really cool, but yeah, it's, uh, one of those things where, uh, you know, we were just we were just super pumped. Uh, we were super pumped to do it. But what I was gonna say is, you know, when I heard the band, it was really one of those like, I'm gonna listen to this to make sure I give a damn. You know, <laughs> like beforehand. Yeah, fair. You know, fair. and uh, but I liked it because it's definitely it's right up my alley. You know, so it worked out. Um, which is funny because people that listen to this podcast, one of the early comments that I did get is people thought that we were just basically gonna be talking about like thrash metal, <laughs> like the whole time, <laughs> and. Uh, I was like, yeah, you know, we kind of came out of the gate. We did, we did Metallica, then we did Mortification, and we did, you know, and then we did Slayer and, and all that. And uh, it was just, it was like boom, 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 thrash band, thrash band. It was really just we're trying to get all the big bands out of the way first, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. But anyway, this podcast shouldn't be about the podcast. So <laughs> it's very meta. I like this meta podcast. I right. mean, I will say real quickly on that on the on the social media stuff. I mean, if you see us, we we've got tons of followers on social media, but mainly because we've been hustling just as hard as we are today for the past six years. Right. Um, but just like you guys, I mean, we're we're not getting this overflow of of likes and comments and all this other stuff. We do okay, you know, but for our size. Um, or at least the appearance of our size, we don't. And that's all because the social media algorithms, you know, it's right. it's not in your favor unless you want to pump money into it. So if we've got 60,000, 70,000 people on Facebook, we're playing a show in New York and we post it 
it gets shown to one percent of our following, and those people might be on the West Coast, right? So it's or it here in St. Louis, yeah, like yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 one of those scary things about social media. Like like promotion is so hard. I remember like ten years ago with our old band, we were trying to promote, and it was like MySpace, right? It was MySpace, absolutely. Yeah, and actually, our our the guy that that owned our label that we were on was like very vehement. In your top eight. Yeah, he was very. Um, he was very vehement about like, MySpace. You need to buy a MySpace robot that just adds friends. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, okay, you yeah. know. And we were like, um, I mean, isn't that kind of weird? Like, what, you know? And they're like, he's like, no, this is what it has to do or whatever. Turn out that dude years later, like he disappeared. He like didn't even have a business license or anything. <laughs> you know, we were just hoping we would get on Salad State or something. You know, <laughs> like we just, you know. Yeah. Did he make you like a really sick uh, layout for your MySpace though? Because if so, it was all worth it. It was pretty cool. I'll have to log into Wayback Machine and see if I can pull the old the old hey, it's Destiny, in there. Uh, <laughs> MySpace <laughs> page. But uh, but yeah, so I mean, kind of back to those labels though. Um, it, it's kind of weird how uh, it's kind of weird how those labels have gotten huge. Like they they were like. I would have said in like 2006, 2007 that Solid State was like the biggest label as far as those kind of bands went, which is, the truth is, is it was probably Victory, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, as far as like my perspective was, um, I felt like that, that it was like the biggest label. It was the ideal label to be on. Um, but you've got the interesting perspective in that you've actually, you know, toured with those bands, <laughs> A lot of them. I mean, we we were lucky, like we could open for one of those bands when they came to town, you know. But like, yeah. it wasn't, you know, uh, we weren't like touring machines or anything. So, um, did is that just kind of a is that just kind of a facade, like thinking Solid State is the shit, or is it like were the bands always like typically happy? I mean, you don't have to say like I talked to X band on this day and they said this, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I do. I mean, um, I will say. I mean, I, I probably also have a very skewed perception of it too, because at the time that I really got into it. It, it had such a like um, a, a mythos to it that I, I was just starstruck from from the idea of these bands, you know, um, when sure. I when I first started playing music. So so because of that, I think I still hold on to that. Like when I look back, like of that being this awesome nostalgic time that had no like uh, negativity to it at all. Sure. Um, since then, we've we've definitely played with a lot of the bands. I mean, like Solid State bands we've done with Emery, we played multiple shows with his legend, like yeah. Oh Sleeper. We've got that Zayo show coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, even like SD's Burn, hell, like when we first played with SD's Burn, I think it was before I think their second album came out, okay. and they were blowing up pretty big. They were kind of like I think uh, hyping them up to be the next Under Oath. Sure, and and we did like several shows with those guys. And funny like side story, they used to they built this basically little. A toy or thing that you would uh you'd all hold on to this handle and it'd be plugged into this battery yeah and you'd it blink this light would blink and then you if you're the last person to press the button and the light stopped blinking you'd get shocked oh nice and, like i've seen these before <laughs> i've seen these before at like novelty shops but this thing was on like steroids like it would shock the hell out of you and they brought that to every damn show and so we'd be out behind the venue playing that little <laughs> thing with them you know that's awesome but, um, so I've got really fond memories of it, but also like now it seems like since I've personally been playing in bands for about 15 or 16 years and, and we've kind of lucked out as all these 10 year anniversaries of tours start coming through and we, we get lucky enough to play some of them Sure. that talking to some of these guys. And like you said, maybe I don't want to put any of them on blast or anything. Sure. I've definitely heard, um, 
two, I've, I've heard a few things. I've heard one, the whole idea that, you know, they started as a very Christian band and now they feel um, like they can't get themselves out of that or can't say openly that they're not about that anymore because sure. that's kind of what's built their image. Yeah. Um, and then more often than not, and this, this is possibly the most depressing thing that I hear from tons of bands that we play with is just the idea that it's like, I've been doing this since I was 16 I don't know what else to do. And I'm in my mid thirties or sometimes in my forties, you know? Right. So it's like, I don't want to do this, but I, I just don't know what else I can do. You right. Know? It's like, I'm trapped um, in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like people feel like, well, e- either I play in the band and I have to play these songs that maybe I wrote 15 years ago. Cause that's all people care about. Right. Um, or I've got to, you know, run a record label or work at a tattoo shop or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the depressing part because you almost always see in a lot of the bands that, You've got two or three guys, um, maybe one or two guys actually, that are still like really behind it and still pushing the band forward. Sure. And the others are kind of trudging along because it's just all they know. Right. And sometimes I hope that I'm not like falling into that, you know? Sure. I've done it so long that I'm like, shit, I don't know what else I'm going to do. Yeah. Since like, what, 07 was this band? Yeah. I'm sure, exactly. there, I'm sure there were other bands before. Um, yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, that that's that's the, the crux of it. I think Zayos are kind of the first ones that were kind of like, public about we're moving away from this image you know <laughs> like we we don't want to be perceived as this christian metalcore band anymore we we want to be i mean you can't help how you're perceived but you know it just being one of those like you know when you hear a Roseo record they want you to hear where they're at now <laughs> like and not so much you know like yeah okay yeah yeah like they're going to put out blood and fire too because there's tons of people that listen to Zayo and they're like, I know they say they're not Christian, but I can definitely hear Christianness in it, you know? And like, it's like, yeah, I mean, but I guess if you look for anything hard enough, you'll find it. Right. But you know, yeah. Um, it, it just goes so beyond listening to just the music and, and reading the lyrics and just kind of enjoying it for what it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think a lot of the bands think I've, uh, they've built a foundation on something and if they pull out that foundation, the whole building's going to come down. Sure. And and maybe that's only something that they think. Because I think going back to what I said earlier, I think maybe only eighty percent of the people actually take their time to find out what a band's about. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else is kind of like, eh, this is cool. I like it. it if it jams, yeah, it, it jams. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Zayo. Obviously, it's so hard not to talk about Zayo because they they absolutely are the reason I'm into this music. You know? <laughs> and. Uh, they're just uh, just a huge inspiration to me, and that's why I was actually pretty jealous. And you're like, yeah, and then we're gonna play with Zayo, and I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> I, I have no clue that he, like I mean, you you've heard us, and yeah, obviously I have I have huge influence by uh, by Zayo. Yeah, but uh, I don't know that we sound anything like Zayo. No, um, I've no. just been a fanboy forever, you know. Sure. So um, so I think the way that it came about was um completely coincidence uh a couple years ago maybe two years ago we tweeted them uh zayo and we just said hey let's have some beers and do some tour dates sometime right and uh, your guys they tweeted style. Us, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly and they tweeted us back like right away you know and said it sounds like a plan sure. um so when we find out that find out that they're coming back on the west coast for the first time in over 10 years uh we tweeted them again and uh, we put the picture and i just said something like uh, where do i redeem this coupon um, and the, they said something like we're working on it or something like that. <laughs> right. So, um, so I think it was, that was one piece of it. Then I think, uh, also through kind of like what I did with you guys, where I stumbled across you guys and, um, kind of struck up a conversation. We were on another podcast, um, not too long ago called as the Sto- story grows, um, with a guy named Travis. 
and Dude, Travis and full his disclosure, Seth, Travis is going to be on this in the on in the twenty eighth. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that that's really cool. Travis is a great guy. Um, I, I don't know if he's already said anything about it on his podcast, but we actually did a, a cover song with uh, him uh, and and two other podcasts as well um, <laughs> called the the Shred uh, really Shredcast, and then also uh, Talk to Me. Um, or shoot the shred, sorry, and talk to me. So yeah. all those guys from podcasts, they all just coincidentally played one instrument, like, you know, um, one plays drums, one plays bass, one plays guitar. And right. I'm like, well, I'll do vocals. Let's do a cover song. So we ended up doing a Deftones cover that we're going to put out here pretty soon. Oh, I got to hear that. Oh, man. I got to yeah. hear that. But um, uh, so, so, yeah, Travis. Take Travis my money, that, please. Yeah, right. Uh, so Travis and uh, his friend Seth, they they are pretty close with Zayo. Um, right. Travis actually has been doing more merch for Zayo on their last uh on their last few uh, show dates, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think Seth is actually has some hands in something. I don't know if it's their distribution or otherwise. Uh-huh. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like, Hey Travis, put in a, put in a good word for us. If you've got any pool on this. And, uh, yeah, in a couple hours we got asked to do the show. I'm like, this is insane. Like, you know, I'm the little 16 year old girl in me is jumping out and like screaming and crying. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Well, it's funny thing about Travis too. It's weird how it's kind of weird how this, this, uh, how small the world really is. You know, in this scene, because uh, our band, End of Destiny, recorded our debut album in Travis's basement. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had no clue, man. Yeah, no yeah. Clue. It's not a, It's not something I think anybody involved is all that proud of, uh, but <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we did it, man. Uh, and we actually, there's a clip on, um, on one of our songs where um, his daughter actually, you know, she was really young at the time and just came in and, and sa- said something to the microphone, and then <laughs> that ended up on the record, which is cool. And that's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the the whole thing was was cool, and it's weird because I hadn't actually talked to Travis in years, um, since you know, since then. And uh, I that that's actually was my biggest influence for starting this podcast was listening to as the story grows and being like, you know, why am I not doing that? You know, instead of just like sitting there being bitter that I can't get a band off the ground or, or you know, that nobody ever wants to show up or, or whatever, or that I'm fat and I don't want to do it. How do you I'm really lazy. feel, Dan? How do yeah. you really feel? Yeah. Most, it's mostly just being fat and lazy, but <laughs> beyond that, um, you know, it was, it was crazy. Cause I, so I sent Travis this message and I was like, Hey bro, uh, do you remember me? I was blah, 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 blah. And he's like, he's like, Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, few months later it's like yeah now i got my own podcast and uh you know uh i want you to be on it <laughs> maybe i'll pencil you in if i've got the time right yeah just being real nonchalant about it but uh yeah no he's well, down I mean, the beauty of this podcast and also from what i've heard of, of your podcast now is is not that like hey how'd you get your band name and and who have you played with and stuff it sounds like a conversation and right. that's something i rather listen to than someone talk at me the whole time you know sure yeah i mean it's <laughs> i hate listening to podcasts where it's like that it's always like what are your top five albums for you know <laughs> it's just like dude nobody cares and half the time that shit's not gonna even sound anything like what the band sounds like you know <laughs> like it's not <laughs> you know it's it's weird because it's like every band like it you know if you get if you get slayer on the show you ask them what they've been listening to and they're like uh we've been listening to tina turner tapes in our car you know it's like yeah. oh, okay <laughs> cool next question you know <laughs> yeah so i mean i guess that's kudos to you and kudos to travis and uh this segment of the podcast is brought to you by As the Story It Grows. Absolutely. Um, you check it Travis, out. Travis, you could send me a check. Yeah. <sighs> I knew he had something to do with it. Wait, Travis This was all an elaborate ruse. Trav- to get my Travis makes money it. doing this? Oh, what? <laughs> Coming to your house. Right. 
But yeah. Uh, so going back to the, the labels, I guess, what are there any hidden gems or any bands that you feel like didn't get the appreciation that they, they should have had from Solid State or from uh, from Tooth & Nail? Ooh, that's rough. Because um, those are a lot of the bands that only had like one album out Yeah, a lot of the time. Um, there was a band on Solid State that I liked called um, Your Memorial, which they're not like, they're not like, like I have never heard this. Well, band. they're not like it's not like holy, it's not like holy shit. They're great, you know. <laughs> but like, um, but I really liked it because a lot of bands when you hear their when you hear their first album, you're really just kind of prepping yourself up for the second album because you're going to get to hear what they really sound like as songwriters. Uh, and so I thought they had a really cool sound. It was it was metalcore kind of, and but it it was kind of light and spacey, which you know I love Hope's Fall so much that. Um, anytime I hear a band that, you know, it sounds like I'm listening to it in the clouds, like ready to launch into space, you know, that's, that, that's what I like. So I like, I liked your memorial, uh, I'm trying to think of some other bands that were around. I mean, I was really big into the agony scene whenever they hit solid state. Nice. Talk about bands that are like not Christian that are on Christian labels, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, I was really into the agony scene that, that first album, that debut they put out. And, um, I thought that was really good. I think they kind of kind of force themselves off the label once they realize what it was all about, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I really liked them. Um, beloved. I loved back in the day, uh, the band beloved, they were, uh, they put out one record on solid state called failure on. And it was like right at the beginning of my cycle of really loving those bands. Um, and they, they had kind of like a poison the well sound a little bit with more singing. Uh, yeah, they're yeah. really good. Um, dead poetic was good for like their first record. And yeah, I agree. Dead Poet only got me for the first one. Yeah. Another one that had a, a good first record, which I, I don't know that a lot of people would agree with me, but I actually like the first uh, Showbread record. Oh, it's my favorite. Yeah. I mean, that Mouth Like a Magazine kind of drew me in. Oh, yeah. And then uh, when they had the, the guy playing the guitar and he was just insane on mm -hmm. stage. Yeah. Um, they put dudes. out a documentary too a while back that I actually caught on YouTube not too long ago. Yeah. How Showbread ruined my life or something. Yeah. Yeah. They're uh, showbread. I've actually I've actually enjoyed quite their quite a bit of their discography. Um, There's a few misses in there, but for the most part, I you know I loved I loved that first record because it was just so crazy sounding and it kind of sounded like the Refuse a little bit and it had really, a little Blood Brothers in there with the dual mm -hmm. vocals. I thought too, like not not as crazy or chaotic, um, right? But it definitely had a little of that vibe to it. Yeah, and they actually had a record out before that that was independently released that I never could get a physical copy of. I like waited for the band to get done playing one night, and then, you know I was that fan and just like accosted them on the way out, you know, <laughs> to put their stuff away. And I was like, I want a copy of this first record. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I'll be right back. You know, <laughs> one of those like, you know, like okay, get in the van, drive. You know, <laughs> like, but uh, but yeah, they. I really liked that first record by Showbread. I, I liked everything they did after that. It was really weird when they did that Anorexia Nervosa record. Like okay, the, yeah. The dual yeah. record. It sounded like Nine Inch Nails. It sounded a lot like the Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I maybe listened to it uh, once or twice like through uh, like YouTube, you know? Well, it was a little up its own butt as far as like... <laughs> Sit in a room concept. with a lamp. L read when we tell you. Listen when we tell yeah, you. Yeah, it was like read, the like read these notes that we wrote about the song... It's telling this overarching story, and then like every now and again, there's a letter that's written in red. So you like you write that down in a notebook, and like, and I was like, dude, I, I do not have time for this shit. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> if I like it, I like it. You know, just move on from there. You know, and uh, yeah, Showbread was good. I'm trying to think of some other bands that are around. Uh, Emery, obviously, not even a one hit wonder. I mean, they're, everything Emery puts out is solid gold. 
ask me to be yeah. on Bad Christian and They're podcast. the nicest guys, too, just <laughs> ridiculously nice. You know, um, the same way that uh, we kind of contacted you through Twitter, just through in a tweet and, and Zayo, so maybe yeah. Twitter is a new way that you're supposed to get stuff done, is we uh, um, we actually received a message from Emery on Twitter, uh, like in the inbox, which I, I we never even check our Twitter inbox. I didn't even know that was a thing prior to this. Oh, that's a thing. And it was a... Yeah, it was a message from from Emory, and we thought it was fake or something. It was just like, "Hey guys, are you on a record label right now? We kind of want to talk to you. Give us a call." Right. Um, so we give cool. them a call that day, thinking, "Yeah, right. This has got to be like they got hacked or something." Sure. And, and that day, we end up skyping them, and we're like doing voice, uh, you know, voice calls with the guys in Emory, and that's oh when we started. God. You know, I started kind of helping them with the label, and uh, they, you know, we played the Emory ten year with them, and uh, and every time they come through, they're just the nicest guys. I cannot say enough good things for them. We actually, the last show we played with them, we uh, they invited us back on their tour bus, which what the hell band had a tour bus anymore of, of that size? You know? Right, yeah. Um, and we're we're sitting in their tour bus, and I was I was always a fan of Emory, but never like a, a super fan. Um, mm-hmm. One of my good friends that came to the show is a super fan, um, and and he, you know, I'm I'm on the tour bus with them. I'm talking to to Matt, and uh, and the next thing I know is my friend's banging on the window, and he had a couple beers by this time, so he's banging sure. on the window of the bus. And Matt looks over. He's like, "Does your friend want to come in?" I'm like, uh, <laughs> "If you if you want him in here, he can come in. He might be a little drunk right now." <laughs> so see, he comes in, uh, and my friend's name is Matt too. He comes in. He picks up like a guitar off of like you know that they have on their one of the seats, and he just starts playing the Emery song on one of their guitars. <laughs> I'm like, you went on, full man. fanboy. Never go full <laughs> fanboy. Yeah, <laughs> you're embarrassing me, man. Right. <laughs> was, uh, yeah, good awesome. guys, man. Hey James, watch me play Inner Sandman. Right, yeah. It's, you know, it's one of those weird <laughs> things. Um, well, and actually, on on that note, that one of my one of my biggest goals for being on a podcast was like, because I'm this dude that was in a band that went nowhere ten years ago, but like I want to be on these podcasts, you know, because I'm self absorbed or whatever. But like, um, <laughs> hey, that, that's why I'm here. Right. That was always one of my goals was uh, was to be on the Bad Christian podcast. But I was always like, I got you know, wonder, you know. <laughs> People are gonna be like, "Oh, okay, you want to talk to this random dude?" Which they, you know, and Emery, everything they do touch turns to solid gold, so they could probably really sell that. But <laughs> you know, um, I'll, I'll try to put in a good word and see what happens. I would, I, yeah. I mean, you know, if you don't want to, don't. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So like, Emery was great. Oh my god, like I, I really, Emery really took off for me on their second album. Um, the question, and it's weird yeah. because it was so. The reason I liked it so much is because it was so opposite of everything I was listening to at that time. Yeah, yeah and that's the one we uh, we did the uh, the ten year for recently mm-hmm. here. It was in like the last year or two. Wow, that's awesome! Like I would have loved yeah. to have seen that live. But yeah, they uh, actually they were actually just in St. Louis recently, and I didn't go because I'm a piece of shit, you know. And uh, <laughs> um, I wanted to go, Another but like. Breakthrough. Well, here's the thing, man. I got I got two kids at home, and it, it it's very hard. Like, it's kind of a struggle sometimes to even come down and do the podcast, you know. <laughs> like, uh, just yeah. because you know my wife, we're we're pregnant with a third kid, and she's uh she's kind of like there comes a point where your baby starts to eat your brain, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, she's a little bit less understanding than she has been in the past about that kind of stuff. So. Um, it's one of those. And apparently, th- she doesn't listen to the podcast, or you wouldn't be saying this stuff. Right? Oh, she doesn't care. She gets it. Um, <laughs> and no, she doesn't listen. <laughs> she told me that last night, actually, before bed. She's like, "I support you and whatever you want to do, but I'm not going to listen to it." And I was like, "That's cool." <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, they. Uh, 
but yeah, Emery, Emery made a huge impact on me. Um, me without you is actually a band that, I, that we have to talk about because, oh Absolutely, my God, yeah. like I had never heard the first time I ever heard me without you was on a Norm Jean record, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, uh, just been laid waste, right? Yeah. And I think that was most, most everybody's introduction to the band, uh, that wasn't from their like local scene, you know? Um, exactly. And so I, at that point, did you get into A to B Life? Was it the first album? A to B kind of Life, yeah. And I thought it was great. I remember telling my friend Buddy, uh, he's on the podcast sometimes. Uh, I remember telling Buddy, like, "Hey, dude, you know that ending part on Memphis Shall Be Laid to Waste, where the guy's just like talking and screaming, and he's just like, it sounds all random, but it like all fits together perfectly, you know?" And he's like, "Yeah,", yeah you know. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, that dude has his own band, and it sounds like that all the time, you know." I believe the <laughs> the presentation was it's the Beatles with the guy from Memphis Shelby laid to waste on it. Right, yeah, it was like a, kind of this cool <laughs> indie, which is really weird because I recently got the pleasure of listening to their demo uh, called "I Never Said I Was Brave," and that one that's like Before almost it? yeah, it's like basically like straight hardcore. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more like punkish and yeah. hardcore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I always thought about A to B life? I always thought A to B life, I, I didn't compare it to to Beatles or even now where you'd say they might be a little Bob Dylan style. Yeah. Um, I almost compared it to being new metal guitars uh, with like spoken word slash shouty vocals, you know, almost like a right. guy's reciting poetry, like a, a beat poet on top of a little bit of new metal type guitars and drums, like just really simple riffs, but really good structures right. and kind of like you know just something you hadn't heard before it's it's a band that like unless aaron started that band or didn't start i'm sorry unless aaron started that band i can't imagine him going to try out for a band and the rest of the guys being like yeah this is exactly the vocalist that we're looking for right absolutely well that's how you get i never said i was brave you know he eased him into it a little bit yeah <laughs> you know because at first they're playing these like super heavy riffs or whatever and he's just like shouting over it and in kind of a random manner you know and then you get to a to b life and it's like totally like indie rock refined you know <laughs> over the top of yeah. it and uh i i loved that record but the thing i liked about me without you was kind of it almost seems like over the course of their records there's been a little bit of like personal enlightenment for aaron like he was like angry just like we all were you know the first time we heard a to b you know uh, angry and yep. angsty and, and all that stuff. And then you get to like catch for us the foxes and it's like more, it's like still like he talks about a lot of like deep personal things and that, but like, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it seems more enlightened and you get to brother sister and it's like, it's like, yeah, everything's okay. We're all going to get together and have potlucks and eat and be hippies, you know? <laughs> and then like you get to, <laughs> and then, and they just go blast completely out into space after that, you know? <laughs> like, and, uh, and yeah, I've loved no, I everything. think it was a natural progression, and I, I think that uh, it aged with the people that came into it, right? Oh, yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah, as you're in your 30s now, it's like, okay, this is music that is still something that like I don't feel ashamed to show people at work, um, yeah. or I don't think they're going to drop their jaw when they hear it. Right, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. When, when it goes back to like A to B life, when you listen to Gentleman, which is one of my favorite songs of all time, when when it, everything stops and he just says, "and you better be alone," you've got shivers, you know, down yeah. your spine because it oh, sounds God. so damn creepy. Right, a little rapey, yeah. <laughs> and we're back to rapey. <laughs> back to rapey. Right. The theme. Of the, if you have titles for this, the the title for this is it's a little rapey. Right. That's definitely going to be a Google hashtag for sure. Hashtag kind of rapey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Um, yeah. So, so was your favorite album? Uh, I, I mean, I feel like I almost always assume everybody's favorite album is Catch First the Foxes, but that's not the case for me. What yeah. was your favorite album? My favorite album, I mean, without you, is actually one of the newer ones. Uh, it's uh, Ten Stories. Okay, okay, that's really respectable. I, yeah, I mean, um, for me, I think uh, I have to get in. Like, I've listened to all the newer stuff, but I've only given given it one or two spins. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of feel like. A to B life has a nostalgia good for me, sure. um, just in the same way that like um, with Norma Jean, like with with Bless the Martyr has a nostalgia good. But I know that some of their later albums might be more musically inclined or sure. or sound, you know. But I, I think uh, as they progressed and they went to Cash First the Foxes, I think that to me that was just a step to get to where they are they are today. Sure. Uh, and the best step for me was Brother Sister. I think mean, Brother Sister had the perfect like meld of everything that they had uh, over the years um, yeah. in my eyes i jump back and forth between catch for us the foxes and brother sister just because yeah when when i when i say catch for us the foxes is my favorite it's because it's got january 1979 but then that yeah. little part of my brain that remembers the first time i heard yellow spider then that shifts to okay brother sister is my favorite <laughs> <laughs> and January 1979, actually, when we first uh, started American Standards, we used to to cover a few songs, and that was one of the songs, just because that's something that we all really nerded out over. We did, we did a cover of that, and we did a cover of uh, Rather Be Dead by Refused oh, before nice. Refused uh, started playing again. And you can't really play uh, you know, a song from a band that's still playing that song. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We uh yeah unless they're like a classic band from like the '80s or something you know <laughs> but yeah unless uh, it's Poison right you just you can do Poison covers and the Zeppelin covers maybe well we've beat around the bush long enough uh, let's talk about Norma Jean uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me while I queue up Polar Similar oh my goodness <laughs> I feel like you guys know something about Norma Jean that I don't or maybe I just read into it wrong because as I listen to one of your episodes unless it's just the fact that you guys are, are huge fans of it. I, I remember you guys both made like the simultaneous comment, like let's not even talk about Norma Jean, um, or, or <laughs> something. Like I, I just it, it was lost on me. But I want to know what what's that story. Well, we just we want to talk about. We're all big fans of Norma Jean, like huge. Like I mean, fanboys. Like we think the Annie Mother's good. You know, like it's one of those like um, it's one of those things with Norma Jean where I have obviously loved them since I heard their first note. Um, and they've their first diminished chord. Yeah. Their first, uh, Scrooge chord. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) An avalanche in D minor. No, but like, (laughs) uh, you know, obviously bless the martyr because the child had the same impact on me that, um, blood and fire did a few years earlier because it was literally the most insane thing I'd ever heard. Now, granted there were other things out at that. It wasn't like blood and fire in the sense that like what we got with bless the martyr kiss the child was that was kind of the craziest thing we'd heard in Christian metalcore not counting training for utopia um <laughs> good callback i love yeah. training too oh yeah um they honestly they had the real chaos you know <laughs> but um but with Norma, botch botch is another great one. botch yeah well you know if you listen to uh oh god the aftermath by norma jean you've heard botch <laughs> <laughs> it's like almost the same thing even though they i i would i'm gonna go ahead and say it's a tribute because i'm a fanboy i'm not gonna say it's a ripoff um especially because you know Corey has pretty much said that he like wrote a lot of the songs on that record, so I'm not going to say anything about him. <laughs> but <laughs> and uh, but bless him, kiss the child. It was like you know your, it was your classic Norma Jean lineup, right? Um, Josh Scogan, Scott or Scoggin, I don't really know how it goes, but uh, he uh, 
obviously was such such a great singer on that record. I mean, you'd had Throwing Myself by Ludacris before that, but um, this was like a whole different beast. But um, so is Josh era Norma Jean the, the the your pick or your Norma Jean of choice? Or well, it's the it's the Dark Horse Ensemble, right? It's like a Star Wars movie where you know a Star Wars movie with Luke Han and Leia is what you want. And so I feel like the Dark Horse Ensemble for Norma Jean includes Josh Josh Goggin, you know. <laughs> Although weirdly enough, it also includes Corey. Which <laughs> so my analogy doesn't really make a lot of sense, but because um, Corey said like he he is Norma Jean, you know, as far as I'm concerned at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, he's been in it the longest, right? Right. It's so funny too because people still call him the new singer. It's like, dude, he is the band, like you know. <laughs> You had to, I think Josh has that power, though. Like, for some reason, um, and not to discount him, because everything he's done has been fantastic from going to the Chariot and even now 68. Oh, yeah. But, he, yeah, he has that power to just draw people into everything he does, you know? Right. Well, it's so funny, too, because everybody talks about how impressive his vocals were on Bless Marcus Kiss the Child, but it's like, well, there's obviously distortion on it, one. Yeah. Um, it sounds a lot like whenever I used to practice in my garage with friends and I would like run my mic through a distortion pedal, you know, <laughs> just, to, yeah. just to make it sound more raw. Cause I just couldn't do the vocals yet, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and as you watch him come in and fill in first of these Norma Jean shows, you can tell the, the difference between the two. And I don't feel like Josh has the, the same stamina that, that Corey has, you know, I think, no. uh, Josh hands the uh, the mic the, to the crowd more often than uh, than actually singing. Sure, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, and, and but yeah. he's fantastic at everything he does. And and the biggest thing for Josh is, and I know we're talking about Norma Jean, but I think the biggest thing for Josh is he's just an amazing songwriter. He's not shredding, but he's writing interesting parts, right? Um, that just haven't been done before, right? And those lyrics, man, like the lyrics on "Bless the Wonder Kiss the Child" are like so simple yet profound. Yeah, you know? yep. <laughs> like. And uh, and that was and it was so funny too because I I actually had to learn the lyrics to that record because they're they're printed in the book kind of <laughs> like they're really hard to find and so just you didn't the and, dark lyrics or uh, planet lyrics or whatever it is right and I don't yeah exactly and I think I probably had a really abysmal internet connection at the time so that wouldn't have been my Dial first up. choice to go look at it yeah. Yeah, no, I'm on. I'm on actually right now. I haven't been able to really Google anything because I'm still on dial-up. So if you hear me yelling at my mom that I'm on the phone, that's probably why. Oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> no, I'm on the phone, mom. God, but yeah, like uh, Norma Jean is just. I mean, me, for me and Joe and and Buddy especially, um, we have another host named Josh, and Josh is um, more of our. Uh, Josh kind of keeps us in line as far as like he's um, more of our your like mainstream like your average metal fan you know he's um, grounded yeah not saying that he's average but like he doesn't he's not like me where like I'll listen to something and be like oh my god the vocals are horrible but the rest of it's good you know Josh is more Welcome like my a, life. yeah Josh is more like a okay well I'm not gonna eat a chocolate cake mixed with shit you know <laughs> so. Um, but as far as like me and Joe and 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 Buddy go, we're really really into stuff like Norma Jean and Hope's Fall and and stuff like that. And so Norma Jean, the reason we said let's not talk about Norma Jean is we have this grand idea in our head that we're going to have some huge, you know, some huge episode on Norma Jean. We're going to get Corey to be on it, you know, like the, all, all <laughs> tweet this, a man. It might work. That's right. happening. Right. Every tweet I've done has been effective to this point. Right. So anytime I need something done, I tweet you and then you, you retweet our tweet. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> there you go. You're like, no, you can't dilute it. It'll be 50% effective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
But yeah, so that's why we're like, oh, we're not going to talk about that right now because we're like, I don't know, it's almost like we're trying to keep the Norma Jean episode a secret. <laughs> like, um, yeah, my my one Norma Jean story is, um, well, one thing I will say is like we we've played with Norma Jean so many times, but we haven't really hung out with them very much. Like oh, yeah. out of the seven or eight times that we've played with them in the last you know four years, four or five years, um, we've only exchanged a few words. Now, right. when we played with sixty eight, we've hung out with them and talked to them every time. And right. hell, when we played with every time I die, like. We were drinking before the show. They invited us back to the hotel after the show to drink. I believe that. Professional yeah. wrestling with them, right? Um, but Norma Jean just hasn't the same thing. Sure. But uh, my my personal, um, I guess, introduction to Norma Jean. I think I've told this before, but it's I, I was literally this is my my band and maybe I don't I don't know when Norma Jean started, so that I might be completely wrong here. But I think it was around like two thousand three ish when I when I was playing for another band uh-huh. and I went into a, a print shop or printing flyers to promote a show uh-huh. this other promoter just happened to be at the print shop and she hands me a flyer and she says hey come check out this um, this metalcore band or this hardcore band and I'm like like hardcore and I'm thinking hardcore like black flag and like right, you yes. know, that type of stuff and she's like no this is what we're you know we're or they're calling hardcore now right and it, it was you know Norma Jean uh, and it, you know, it might have been a few years before that, but then sure. that's when I kind of actually got into it. You know, around that blessed martyr uh, time. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that was, we were kind of the same way. It's uh, me and Buddy were driving because Buddy would actually would drive me to school. Um, <laughs> he would drive me to school every morning. We'd listen to music, and uh, I had got I'd picked up a copy of Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child, and I put it in. And at that time, I was I guess I was probably the first one on board with extreme music. And then my friends kind of followed suit afterwards, um, after just, you know, probably Stockholm syndrome. Uh, <laughs> we definitely had sympathy for him. Yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, I put, I pop in Bless from Our Kiss the Child. And I remember Buddy's just like, this is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. He's like, I can't even tell what's going on, you know? Because to the untrained ear, it, it just sounds like pure chaos. And, it's weird now because when I listen to Blessed Martyr Kiss the Child, it almost sounds like a melodic record, you know? <laughs> like, because How your perception has changed. Right. Well, it's just um, so ingrained, you know? Yeah, I felt the same way about the chariot. The uh, the first time I, I had given char- the chariot uh, some listens before American Standards, but I, I was never super impressed by the first uh, the first thing that I listened to, which I think was an unsung album. I just thought, oh, like, yeah. this is... You know, the, it's a little rough. Like the recording's obviously not good, but it's purposefully not good. Um, and I just couldn't get behind it. And then as I joined American Standards, uh, all the guys were super into the cherry. That's like their number one influence. Um, and it wasn't until I think uh, Long Live came out um, that I, I really got it. And I said, okay, this is this makes sense, you know. And I kind of went back and started finding some appreciation for it because just like you said, some of the er- early stuff. Not only was it just insanely chaotic and not a lot of structure but the recording itself is also a little uh harsh you know yeah yeah for sure yeah i mean with with the chariot it's weird because it's hard to talk about norma jean without talking about the chariot and uh norma jean you know obviously you know josh leaves he starts this band called the chariots the first one i heard by them was um their first their debut album i mean i was waiting for it you know waiting for it to come out you know <laughs> and uh, it was called everything is alive everything's breathing nothing is dead nothing is bleeding and i remember listening to it thinking like well first of all this just sounds like norma jean like it the, because for the, for the most part it really did that first chariot record really just sounds like it wants to be bless the martyr part 2 
Um, the the harsher vocals are there. There's not really anything close to what you would call a song structure. Do you think that was purposeful? Like he did that to uh, to draw everybody in so he could kind of get more creative on future things? Or do you think it was just, you know, completely... It was just the record he wanted to make. I think it was just yeah. guys that... Um, I think it was just a bunch of guys that were playing with Josh Goggin and were huge fans and wanted to kind of make live, them happy live, yeah live out well no just live out their norma Jean fantasy on stage you know yeah and and i think that's what they did um i don't i remember them getting a lot more creative on their fiance record um which just sounded like so like not so chaotic as far as like feedback goes and you know because they, they really just let their equipment make a lot of the noise before that um whereas i feel like on the fiance they started write, trying to write more like vicious more chaotic songs yeah. Um and and that sounded really cool and um I really enjoyed that <laughs> quite a bit. And then you know you jump you jump ship over to Norma Jean and it's completely changed at this point. You know like they put out Oh God the Aftermath, which I think was a good enough to satiate fans of Bless the Martyr Kiss the Child. Yeah, and that was a 06 or so. That one actually won a, a Grammy too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, or was nominated at least. I remember being huge because everybody was everybody's biggest fear was like, okay, Josh is gone, so what are the vocals going to sound like? <laughs> you know, and I I think that like I mean this is a uh, this is maybe going to piss you guys off. I think I fell off pretty quickly after um, Bless the Martyr, not yeah. for the fact that I listened to the stuff and I didn't like it. I just had found other stuff. Sure, um, and I. I didn't come back actually till recently over the last few years and then start listening to all this stuff that come out, you know, 10 years ago or, or eight years ago and, and realizing, wow, did, why did I not listen to this? Right. Uh, our, our guitarist, uh, Corey, his favorite album is actually anti-mother, okay, uh, which also yeah. might start a little bit of a, a little of a, of a ruckus. Not really. But, um, not really. Yeah. Any mother's rock solid. It just doesn't yeah. sound like a Norma Jean record, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was when I first heard the uh, new vocals, I think I was just on board with Josh and I heard the new ones and I, I, I remember hearing the singing and, and this is, is stupid of me thinking back, but at the time I remember thinking the, this singing sounds a little new metal-ish and that's when like, it wasn't cool to like new metal at that time for right, someone yeah. that was in that type of band, you know? So it was like, okay, I'm going to move to something else. Sure. Uh, but going back, I love it. And then wrongdoers. I mean, when I got when I heard wrongdoers at first, I'm like, that's that's when I needed to go back and listen to mm -hmm. all the the stuff that I missed out on because it was you know wrongdoers was like, wow, this is some of the best stuff that I, in my opinion, that they had done that had the mix of the old but also a lot of polish to it. Oh yeah, for sure. Actually, it's funny too because some of their more chaotic songs now almost sound a little bit like Chariot songs, which I always thought was kind of funny. Um, you know, for whenever they decide that they're going to go back to heavy, you know, like it, it, they don't go back to bless the martyr. They go back to like mid, mid chariot career style <laughs> songs. They can fill the space with the chariot being gone now, maybe. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, with Norma Jean, um, yeah, obviously at some point in the future, we're going to have this amazing podcast on them. That's going to change your life. Hype, yeah. hype, hype. Yeah. Hype it up. Yeah, like literally Norma Jean's going to show up and play, you know, in your basement, you know, like right in front of you after you listen to that podcast. Don't tease me. So, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so there's a there's only a couple more bands I'm going to cover um, just because we've been at this for like an hour and a half now, but... Uh, <laughs> People stopped listening a long time ago. So oh, I'm good. sure. Yeah, you too, can say anything at this point. Yeah, too long, didn't listen. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we should do what Travis does and break it up into two. <laughs> but... Uh, no, what's what I think is funny is uh so when listening to American Standards, this could be completely unintentional, but I got kind of a um 
latter day Spitfire kind of vibe. I don't yeah, know. that's a actually. I honestly, I, I don't even listen to that, so that's completely unintentional. Okay, cool. Well, you should listen to that because it's great. Uh. <laughs> now I feel embarrassed. Like I feel like I'm not cool anymore. I've lost all the respect here. Oh no, you're cool. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, did you ever listen? I to do any get Spitfire? that all the time, though. I do get the whole like when we play shows now, especially you know being in my 30s and playing for sometimes people that are literally half my age. Yeah. Um, people will say like I remember when Touche Amore was first starting getting big, uh-huh. and people would talk to me about Touche Amore at shows, and I'm like, I have no clue who these guys are. And then we play with them, and there's 400 kids piling on top of each other to sing the words. And you're like, what the um, hell have we done wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's when I feel really, really old sometimes playing this kind of music, you know? Yeah. So Spitfire, I have to, the band name Spitfire, I have to check that out. Yeah, well, okay, so they, they would definitely be a hidden gem on Solid State. They started on Solid State, and uh, they put out a very chaotic medical record called The Dead Next Door, uh, which is an album that's much better than the movie that it's named after. <laughs> and um that that record just annihilates um the only the only issue i have with it is that it, it despite being very chaotic the vocals are very low in the mix and a little indistinguishable which isn't like a bad thing but it's not great uh, i feel like i'm the opposite on american standards they they turn me so high up all the time and i'm always begging to be lower in the mix yeah but i'm always so high and so dry where i listen to like growing up listening to hardcore and law hardcore punk where sometimes you can't even distinguish what's going on with the vocals you right know? No, I mean, I appreciated the vocals being more clear, though. Because, like, it, when it's that kind of band, it's, like, really, I want to kind of hear what's being said. Because I, I want to hope that the lyrics are just as crazy as the music, you know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, A+. Plus. And that's why I appreciated yeah. bands like Me Without You is because it really put the lyrics at the forefront. Like, if anything, my lyric... Uh, uh, my lyric writing is influenced greatly by bands like Me Without You and and surprisingly people like Tom Waits who were Tom the Waits, lyrics, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're so inventive and kind of like I don't know, they just take on this whole new beast and that's what I uh, I like to do, you know. I almost right. challenge myself to do that. Well, definitely check out um, definitely check out Spitfire's later albums. Now, did you ever hear of a band called Scarlet? Oh yeah, oh yeah, cult classic. Wait, cult classic is that album name or uh, cult classic is is the name of uh, is the name of Spitfire or not Spitfire uh, Scarlet's first record. Okay, I'm I'm guilty of not knowing the album name to be honest. That's fine. Um, what I'm getting at here is that basically um, the vocalist from Scarlet left the band and joined Spitfire, <laughs> and they put out two records that were just, in my opinion, very almost perfect. Um, in that style, um, I think you dig it. You know, if you like your own band, I think you'll dig it. <laughs> and, I hate us, so it sounds horrible. I hate our stuff. I just do this for the paycheck. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, right. I'm I'm doing this for the twelve dollars we get off Spotify every month. Hell yes. <laughs> well, I listen to you guys on Spotify and then I listen to you on Google Play. So. I appreciate it. That paid for me to go to uh, Power Rangers. There you go. I like it. And so is that viable? That's what we call a throwback. I'm sorry I'm so sorry that I'm like changing the subject so much but like is that viable like spotify and and google play and all that like does it okay i would imagine don't you have to have more than a million downloads or something like like, four guys yeah it's not at all viable from that standpoint like we uh, not even being a sarcastic we will get a a check from our our things that are streaming media right for 20 or 30 bucks a month Um, oh wow so and that you know that's if you're getting you know, twenty, thirty thousand uh, plays. It's you're getting a fraction of a penny. You know, right? So, yeah, it's um, so it's yeah, it's nothing. Where now, iTunes and Amazon is a little bit better, uh, but not much. It's still you know 
maybe a buck or so for every time that someone downloads a $10 album. Right. Um, wow. But where we get the majority of our money is when people purchase stuff off our, our Bandcamp. Okay. Um, Bandcamp's great for us. And, and then merch, really. So when we're playing shows, on top of our guarantee, we've got these T-shirts and, and buttons and stickers and everything else. And that's really where the money comes from. That's what supports us to record. Um, you know, we've spent about six grand on this new album uh, so far, which is very small by the standards of any large band, mm -hmm. but also very expensive for a band that's decided to do it independently. Yeah, um, I hear you, man. Our debut and, album uh, costs 500 bucks. Yeah, yeah. See, I mean, we, and that's Thanks, that's almost like you can do that now because, especially with the, how home studios are, you can really do that. With this new one, we decided to uh, spend more money than we've ever spent on on an album. Uh, we went to Los Angeles to record at this place called King Size Sound Labs, where oh, they nice. did um, they did like Bad Religion, they did um, the Mars Volta, they did the Last Let Live album. They've done like Andrew WK. Oh, cool. So just like a big mix of stuff, you know, yeah. but it became really expensive, not only from renting out the studio, uh, which was a fantastic studio, but, but also driving to and from at Los Angeles. Cause we can't stay in Los Angeles for the couple of months it takes to record. Right. So we, you know, we're driving back and forth. So we still have to keep our day jobs. Cause like I said, the, the Spotify paycheck is not paying the bills. I hear you, man. <laughs> I think if we're on the road, if we're, if we're a little bit younger and, and, and I had, I used to do this when I, when I was younger, um, if we we're on the road nonstop, we'd be able to make a living off of it. Sure. But since we're we're not doing that, you know, we're we're going out on tour every couple months, um, and then playing like weekends and things like that. Right. It's uh, the only way that we we survive through it is by selling things like T-shirts. I got gotcha. That's cool. So so we not to take so, away any of the the lure of being in a band. I mean, follow no, your dreams, kids. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great though. I dude, there's no better feeling than being in a band and playing live shows, even if nobody's there. You know, like it's just. There's just something about getting up and doing it that, for whatever reason, is sustaining, and it's kind of a bait and switch because you're basically giving up everything for it. But you know, oh um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's honestly the best thing about being in a band is, um, for me, is it, it gives you these experiences that you wouldn't have else uh, any other way. You know, it's right. like I wouldn't be, you know, visiting. Uh, for example, on the show when we're coming through Kansas City, I, I wouldn't be going to Kansas City and roaming around downtown and finding different restaurants and bars and things to kill the day right. if I wasn't in a band, you know? Right, for it, sure. It's taken us all around the states. We've 95% of the people I like talk to on a regular basis are people I know just because I've been playing music for so long. Gotcha. That's awesome. We're, um, yeah, so when you guys are coming, when you guys, when you said you're coming like the 24th? Yep, the 24th, we're playing in Kansas City at this place called Boba Spins, Okay, which I don't know anything about this place, um, but I, I do hear they do some really cool DIY shows there, Okay, and we like to, when we can, if it's a place that's like, not, like, it's DIY, but it's not going to get shut down, like, the second we get to the venue or start playing, you know, right. we like to do those shows, because we'd rather be in a room that fits, you know, 100 people and have 100 people in the room, right. than be in a place that fits... 800 people and have 100 people in the room sure yeah just kind of it's a boner killer yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but uh but yeah so um i think i'm probably gonna call it uh at this mark just because i'm tired and lazy but um we had definitely I've gotta eat dinner here too it's probably yeah. late for you guys right you guys uh, are uh, we're two not... hours ahead of arizona yeah yeah so yeah it's about what almost nine here you're 30 you need to turn in it's 9 p.m yeah what what time is it Jim? and you've got it's like, like, quarter till nine. Oh, okay my bad <laughs> not only are you 30 but you've got two kids and you're expecting another you're a very tired man right now yes yes i am and i, I yeah i worked wait I think you also I... don't learn your lesson the first two times that's kind of weird 
Yeah. I feel like we broke through over the few things tonight. <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll get together and do a counseling session really soon. But this is the point <laughs> in the show where we are going to let you plug away. Um, well, fair enough. I, I don't have a whole lot to plug other than uh, the new album uh, American Sanders is releasing. It's called Anti-Melody. Oh, yeah. It comes out actually April 28th. Um, where we're doing a show in Phoenix, Arizona at the Rebel Lounge to release it. And then after that, throughout May, we're going uh, to be touring mainly through the Midwest. We start on the 18th, and then we tour through uh, the Midwest out to Tennessee. We wrap back around. We ended in um, Las Vegas, I believe. Okay. Um, It's like 10 or 12 states in total, Um, and all those dates are on our social media. So if you go to anything that you can possibly think of slash American standards, we're most likely on it. Sweet um, porn hubs or you can find us. standards. Exactly. <laughs> we're on, on that as well. I and like in the comment section, we're like, hey, check out my band when you're done. Um, <laughs> Wash your hands first. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then we're also on all the, uh, obviously, like iTunes and Amazon and, and Spotify. Um, that's where you could also pre-order the album. So if you pre-order the album, you'll get it the day it comes out. If you get a physical copy of it, you'll get it a week before it comes out, which is cool. pretty soon here. Um, so that's all great stuff. We've got new videos out uh so we just put out a video for writer's block party our first single uh which is a kind of fun video um we try to take away the tough guy attitude and just do something fun with our friends and then um we've got another video that we're actually premiering uh if anybody's listening right now or depending on when you post this on itunes it's going to be this monday coming up uh revolver magazine is actually premiering our next music video for a song called carpe diem tomorrow that's awesome well uh we'll try to post up some of those videos on our on our pages as well um, good not, deal. Not we'll do the same can, for, yeah. uh, for anything on this, man. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely appreciate that. We're, uh, yeah, this was super exciting. Um, I know we couldn't stay on topic or anything, but, uh, you know, uh, it was a lot of fun and I'm, I'm hoping that we can kind of do stuff like this in the future. And it, what I'm going to tell anybody that's ever part of the podcast is the door is always open. So like, if you see that, like in two weeks, we're going to talk about such and such band. Hit us up. Are you talking to Corey directly right now? Yeah, Norma Jean, or are you talking to me? I'm talking to you, but I'm also, you know, he's always talking to Corey. Yeah, hey Corey. Yeah, I'm always talking to Corey. I'm always talking to Emery. You know, (laughs) you know, it's always (laughs) happening. Always talking to Travis. You know. (laughs) Yeah, man, I would love that. I mean, hell, maybe next time we come on, we talk about something like Ferret or something, and uh, yeah, be great. I'll try to keep you a little more on topic. I I like to talk a lot and go in a different direction, especially when uh, people aren't asking me the how'd you get your band name stuff. Right. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Yeah. Yeah. We did as well. So uh, definitely the door is always open, man. And we will, uh, we'll look forward to talking to you. I can't guarantee we'll make it on the 24th cause we're in St. Louis, which is a little further away from Kansas city than is uh, comfortable, but we will, uh, we'll, you know, anything can happen. So That's fair enough. And I'll, I'll let you know next time we're in your uh, area. Maybe we'll be playing a basement with a uh, nine inch nails cover band. Sounds good to me, man. I'll be there. <laughs> hey, take these guys. Yeah, you too. Have a good night. This has been episode 10 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please, send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com.
shit. I was going to ask him to do a bookend for us. <laughs> <laughs>